Hey everybody and welcome to the Darkcast. This is DCI number 100 and I'm your host Jonathan Miley. Joining me today is Brian and we get to do something that's this is the best thing that we could do on our 100th interview uh, is talk about a game inspired by one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, that game is Super Meat Boy. The game we are talking about is Ink, which is a similarly hard-as-nails platformer, although when you start each level, you can't see the level. So that's that's the hook. Uh, we're talking to Alejandro Hitti, who is the producer on the game, and uh, we have a great time doing it. If you want to find out more about Ink, then head on over to DarkStation.com. There you can find links in the show notes to this episode. Follow us on Twitter at DarkStation underscore com. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and send us an email at podcast at DarkStation.com. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoy this episode. Now on with the show. on the dark cast how are you doing i'm good <laughs> how are you guys uh, i'm i'm doing well i'm doing well for a wednesday not bad <laughs> for for a monday okay. is it is it good like if this was monday for would a that monday be like... this would be great okay. although it's a monday so that automatically like brings everything down a notch mm. but for a wednesday because we're in the middle it's almost done we're talking games i think we're doing okay okay sure that's that's good. That's good. Uh, do, if we're do you using need to, the uh, the Brian Simpson scale? Do you know? need to revise your uh, your answer, Alejandro, with that new scale that we've apparently just developed? I mean, okay. like, um, I'm on vacation right now, right, sort of. So he's so, excellent. It doesn't matter yeah. what day it is. <laughs> Every day is weekend for me right now. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Uh, well, we are here to talk about ink, uh, but before we do that, let's talk a little bit about. Uh, who you are and kind of what your role has been uh, in the, the production of, of Ink. Okay, um, so basically uh, I've been working with Zach for a long time. Um, Zach is like the main designer and programmer for Ink. Mm-hmm. Um, we met when we uh, were studying at DigiPen. Okay. And we developed a game there and all that stuff, but then um, we started working on some professional projects. Uh, the first one was called Frog Sword. Uh, we didn't get to finish that one, and then um, we started working on something called Ink. Uh, sorry, on Super Three, and we launched a Kickstarter campaign for it, but uh, we didn't successfully fund. Mm. So anyway, basically, like we have a long history together, and Zach uh, made Ink for a uh, lot of their thirty-two, right? And after I got, like a few weeks, uh, people started downloading the game a lot, and he asked me if it was a good idea to like put it up on Greenlight. Uh, because I had experience playing games on Greenlight before with Super 3, um, I said I would help. So mm-hmm. I put up together a trailer, and um, it got Greenlight in 18 days. Nice. So, yeah, so after that, it was like, okay, um, I joined the team, like, actually joined the team. And uh, basically what I do is uh, I'm the producer. Uh, so I do, like, all the paperwork. Uh, I dealt with uh, doing all the Steam API stuff and, uh, like, actually becoming a Steamworks partner, which is harder than it looks like. Mm-hmm. Um I also put up all the uh, marketing together, so I do like all the PR. I contact all the press, and uh, 
yeah, I like I made all the trailers. I talked to the artist and to the uh, sound designer, and then like I basically try to get the team together and like finish the product. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. Right, so I imagine being that close to it, you also did a lot of uh, of playtesting. I did a lot of playtesting, <laughs> and I also did a lot of um, programming and design. So, okay. uh, yeah, um, again, uh, we met at DigiPen, and we, and we were both studying uh, game programming, so we're okay. both programmers. Okay. Um, yeah, so I helped him with the, the Steam API integration, and I also coded like all the achievements into the game. Gotcha. So, so for somebody that doesn't know what what is Steam API, what what does that even mean? Oh, okay. So basically, when you become a Steamworks developer, you have to uh, merge basically um, your game code with Steam, so that you you can get like the Steam overlay and then get all the achievements going and all, like all the basically the uh, DRM for mm-hmm. Steam. Um, they also they'll provide a bunch of like cool features as well, like cloud saving. So we didn't have to like deal with any of that. Like you had to just call a function and be like, "Hey, these are our save files. Please save them to Steam." Um, okay. Yeah, and then other features like um, being able to like take screenshots, uh, again uh, achievements, stats, leaderboards, uh, even workshop. So we're actually we haven't implemented a few of those, but we're thinking about it. Okay, so so there might be Steam Workshop integration at some point in the future. Uh, yes, that is actually um, like it's one of our things. Uh, we have a few patches before that that we want to like like get bug fixes and a few other features that are like more important right now. Sure. But definitely, we want to get some workshop on. Okay, very nice, very nice. Uh, so you said that uh, you know you both went to to DigiPen. Uh, what what did you do in the interim? Uh, obviously, you guys worked on the the Super Three, but kind of I guess what happened in between that and uh, and Ink. Well, technically, I'm still going to the Japan. Oh, okay, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, I, I graduated in, in May. Nice. So I'm starting my senior year right now. And uh, yeah, so awesome. basically, yeah, in between, I was just like doing like school projects. And then uh, we always talked, like we never stopped talking. And we have like so many game ideas like laid down. Um, but it's hard, like, again... Whenever you have a game idea, it's not just getting the game idea. You have to like be able to get funding. You have to like know that it's going to be something successful. They're going to have the time to do it. You have the team play like all the team members that you need. So we had. I mean, I don't know. We probably worked on like five or six games until we're like, hey, we should stop doing like big games. Let's do like a little side project game. And that's kind of how Ink came to be. You know, okay. we say like, hey, let's just make a game for three months because technically, like, you're not a game developer until you release something. So we were like, okay, we won the title. We want to have something released first, you know, um, just to, like prove it to ourselves that we can do it, and also to prove to like publishers and stuff in the in the future or investors that uh, we are people that can actually like develop a game and ship it. Sure. That's that's very cool, and that that that's really awesome that uh, you guys were able to start working on this while still in school. A lot of times you hear, you know, you go to school, you work on those projects. And then maybe while trying to get a job at you know uh, AAA studio or something like that, you're you're working on a side project, working on a portfolio, uh, and you know maybe that hits it big. But being able to to get something out there in the wild uh, while you're still in school, that's that's really cool. Yeah, I mean, um, ever since we like we finished our freshman year, that's when we actually started working on Frog Sword, which again was like a commercial product. So we've been pushing towards it for mm-hmm. a lo- uh, for like two years now. Um, but I mean, uh, even though we weren't successful in the past, we learned a lot from it, and we know like what our mistakes were, 
And yeah, that's basically how we actually managed to ship the game this time. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. That is, that is awesome. Cool. That is neat. And you said that that, uh, that this one Inc. actually started as part of the lot of there. That's the um, that's a game jam, correct? Yeah. Uh, so actually, it wasn't like an actual submission. Uh, Sack just, I think it was like the day after, like the, that, that the weekend that lot of there was uh, around. He couldn't do it, but like the Monday after, he was like, "Hey, I still want to do it." So he took the same um, approach to it um, because uh, he is an avid fan of um, rapid prototyping. So he just like, actually, the first time I saw Ink, he probably put it up together in like three days, two days, something like that. And then uh, the first version, which was which had forty levels, no bosses, uh, was up on Edge in three weeks. Wow! Wow! Yeah, that is um, the absolutely rapid iteration, and in, in very much kind of the same form that it is now. Uh, yeah. So basically, it, it was pretty similar it was only 40 levels uh, a lot less mechanics the levels were not as polished and we didn't have any bosses or any steam um stuff on it um and again we actually have a ton more work in the game done i mean it, it's in the code in the code that we shipped uh but it's not like unlocked because um basically uh say three weeks before we shipped we had a bunch of features that we wanted to ship with the game but we realized that we have some technical issues on this one and then we, we hadn't tested another one enough and we just said like hey let's try to polish the 75 levels that we have right now let's ship that and then we'll try to like add all the stuff that we know that it's going to be in there so I mean it's going to be a, a, a free update anyway mm -hmm. but instead of like shipping a broken like longer product we wanted to ship something smaller that was like completely polished and that's what we achieved I guess <laughs> sure sure so yeah like um hidden in the game there's a multiplayer mode uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> so we have like the character select screen and all the stuff we, we have the ability to actually like play um, we just like didn't have the chance to like uh, put some game modes in and like some goals but we know what they're gonna be okay um, also we had like a difficulty mode like a, like a hard mode where ink just fades after three seconds instead of just staying on the level um but I don't know, for some reason when we were like developing it, we knew how to get the technology working to like fade it. But when we actually implemented it, it did fade, but um it had like a rounding error or something. So you could still see like really, really faint paint. You know? And um And if you again, can still see it, there's no reason to even Yeah, so it's like, like why why implement it? Yeah, Slack worked on it and like tried a different like blend modes and stuff for like three days, and then he's like, "Yeah, I can't do it." And I was like, "Okay, let's not waste any more time on it. We'll figure it out later." Sure. Um, yeah. So that, that, again, that's the type of thing that we said. Like, uh, in order to ship a product, you, you have to like make some um, decisions and be like, "Hey, uh, this you can probably figure this out, but it's gonna take you a long time, and we need you for other things." So we just said, "Like, hey, polish what we have, um, and we'll figure that out later." Nice. Nice. That makes sense. A, a working product, even if smaller, uh, especially in today's climate, is always better than one that's uh, that's big and ambitious but broken. Yeah, basically, yeah. Yeah, and that's uh, that's definitely something that uh, happens um, seemingly more and more often. So kudos uh, on making that decision. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Um, so I, I guess for for anybody that that doesn't know, um, you know, listening to this, what is ink? Okay, so Ink is a fast-paced fast platformer where um, you can't see the world. 
So what you have to do is when you move your character around the world, you start like painting the floor you're touching. And then also um, you have like a double jump ability that spews paint all around you. And using that, you can actually like start painting the walls and see where you're going. So again, whenever you start a level, it's completely black or purple, dark purple. And um, you're just trying to like like tiptoe around and like start just double jumping to spread the paint until you see what's going on around and then you start like traversing it. So again, it allows for exploration and it's sometimes really scary making those jumps when you can't see anything. Um, and again, uh, it, it was a feeling that uh, people seem to enjoy with the prototype and that's why we decided to like pursue it and do something more with it. Mm-hmm. So uh, th- the game feels a lot like Super Meat Boy. How much Super Meat Boy inspiration is there in this game? I believe... Okay, so, ever since we started working on Frog Sword, uh, so like two, two and a half years ago, Zach had uh, like nailed Meat Boy controls. Like That's what he wanted to do. Like He actually got into indie games because of Super Meat Boy. Okay. And, and Spelunky. Uh, so, like, yeah, like that, t- like that time... So and, so it's um, like all Super Meat Boy then. <laughs> yeah, so like uh, he actually like he like read a bunch of interviews and um, like he saw Tommy speaking about it. So you know like where he explains how like wall clinging works that like, there's like a three or four frame window and like he just like kept going through all of those mm-hmm. and trying to like nail down the Super Meat Boy feel. And I think on Ink it's slightly changed. Uh, it's it's a, a bit more floaty and stuff. But again, we always like start our platformers with the Meat Boy base and then tweak it depending on what game we're doing. But yeah. Nice. That's that's not a bad base to start from. <laughs> no. no, not at all. Uh, it's also really funny that people are like, I know that on the forums, uh, we've heard a lot of uh, people comparing it to Splatoon, you know? Um, even though the prototype came before Splatoon came along. So, yeah. <laughs> Again, obviously people are not going to know that, and Splatoon is a huge game. Sure. but And not a bad game to be compared to anyway, so... Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That was actually um, a when we got the uh, information about yeah doing the the interview with you guys and uh, my editor was like, hey, it looks kind of like Super Meat Boy, so you'll probably be a fan. And I was like, okay, now I need to check this game out. Let's let's see. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that is, uh, I I can attest to the fact that it does it it feels really tight like Super Meat Boy. So. Um, so I I guess um, you know what what are some of the other more yeah obviously there's some stuff hidden in the game that you know hopefully will bugs will get fixed and and it'll be released for everybody to enjoy but what are some of the other more uh, kind of interesting novel mechanics you're you know as you're running uh, you're kind of painting the world what what else is is kind of happening what other uh, things are you coming into contact um, okay so, uh, on level 11, we actually start introducing enemies. So, they're like these really slow-moving sponges. Uh, and it's really funny because, like, it's a really simple enemy. You just have to, like, stomp on it, not hit it from the side. Mm-hmm. And it moves really, really slow. But people just keep dying to them. <laughs> and it's really, like, frustrating because it's like, I don't understand how I can die to, like, an enemy that's, like, this dumb, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that enemy, we actually start introducing uh, turrets. As well, uh, so we have the triangle turrets, which just shoot straight, and then we have the circle turrets, which actually home towards the player. Those are evil. 
Yeah, what, they are. What, what evilness were those born out of? Does <laughs> does Zach hate people? Does he hate drones or squares? I don't know. Does, but I mean, does he like, have some kind of hate for squares? It's also kind of funny though, because like after you play for a little bit, you know how to like um, like bait it, you know, right? Uh, like how to like move your character around, and be like, okay, I'm gonna go this way so that he turns this other way, and then I like, can like jump over it. So even though it seems hard at first. Um, it gives you a really nice feeling of satisfaction when um, you beat it, you know? And it's also kind of funny because, like, even though you, like, swerve it, you're always going to, like, be really, really close to it. And, again, uh, it just helps give that feeling of, like, oh, my God, I almost died there. Like, I, I just barely passed through it, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that people enjoy that. Yeah, but, um, but, it, but if you take that moment of, of solace and go, oh, I, I survived there, then you're probably going to get hit by another one from another uh, <laughs> I, I know the levels you're talking about, yes. Um, we also have uh, moving platforms, um, which are, yeah, again, they help because like, you can't see them until you start painting them. So sometimes you're just like standing on a platform and then you get pushed and you're like, oh my god, what's, how good, you know, what's going on? Um, and they can also crush you. So that level where you start growing up and the walls are just coming into it, <laughs> it's really claustrophobic. Um... What other mechanics? Oh, we have spikes, obviously. People are like, oh my god, why do you add spikes to the game? And actually, that's like a legitimate thing that a lot of people say that they like the game, but they would rather like have it just be a platforming game, you know? Like, no spikes, no hazards, just like explore. Hmm. Um, again, uh, what I explain is that you can, like, if you did that, you can probably beat the game in like 20 minutes, you know? <laughs> I mean, people are speedrunning at like 13.48 now, I think the world record. Oh, wow. <laughs> Holy crap! Okay. Yeah. Um, actually, um, I've been uh, speaking to the speedrunners a lot. Like, I talk to them like every day, mm-hmm. and they're really nice. Like, there's like four of them right now that I know of that like actively speedrun them, and they um, stream it on Twitch. And, and it's really funny because like they just keep finding like new strategies and stuff. Like, I know that there's a way of like skipping the boss animation at the end. So you know the the, the animation where like a bunch of colors starts coming out. Mm-hmm. So. If you die the same frame that you hit him the last time, uh, basically the animation gets skipped, <laughs> and it's really hard to do. But um, uh, today I was actually practicing and I, ma- I made it. So uh, those are the type of like bugs that are, don't <laughs> affect casual players that we're like, oh, we're not gonna patch it, you know? Right. It, it makes for a really fun speed run. So that's the thing. Like I enjoy talking to them a lot because I tell them like, hey guys, I'm gonna add these features. I'm gonna change these bugs. What do you guys think? Just so that I I don't like break any of like the cool speed running um, strategies that are right now that don't actually affect normal players, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like I I think those type of like quote unquote bugs are kind of funny. Sure. And yeah. Sure, and that's that's one of those things where it's almost you, you kind of don't want to punish somebody for finding that because it's like wow if you took the time to find out this one random thing, then you deserve to be able to use that. <laughs> yeah. And also, like, if you see some of, like, the strategies from the levels, like, there's a few where you can just, like, skip the whole level. If you go below the platforms and, like, you barely touch uh, the bottom of the platform to so get a hmm. double jump. And again, um, they can probably do it, like, 50% of the time, so it's not really consistent. It's really hard to do. But just knowing that you can do that was, like, kind of impressive. Sure. Sure. So come come uh, December, um, are we going to see ink featured in awesome games done quick? 
Um, I actually talked to the speedrunners, and um, they say that they're going to submit it for sure. Uh, hopefully, awesome. yeah. Hopefully, they'll have like some really cool uh, strategies at that point, and hopefully, we'll have enough uh, content in for them as well. Because we're planning on again uh, a part of the content that we want to add is maybe add an extra world, so get it to a hundred levels. Um, the reason why we didn't do it the first time is that we tested like five or six other mechanics, like we have switch blocks, where uh, if you press a button, they just like start swapping which ones are active or not. And we tested like a bunch of other um, different mechanics, but they didn't seem like fun enough when we tested them. So yeah, again, we wanted something that was like as polished as the rest of the game. Sure. And yeah, like, but we have a bunch of ideas. Like we're gonna keep testing with uh, other mechanics, and we, if we find one that we like, and, and an extra enemy, then okay. we're definitely gonna add an add an extra world to the game. Cool. Cool. Now. Um... Just uh, so, some random things. Looking at like the the Steam page and some of the uh, the different reviews there, um, you know, there's and, and just playing the, the game myself, there, there's not a whole lot of options in terms of uh, you know changing from windowed mode or you know little things like that. Is that some of the stuff that you guys are wanting to you know, fix or or what? I guess what's kind of the your plan for support for for the game? Okay. Um, again, uh, the game was made in like three weeks the first time, yeah, and sure. yeah, we kept the basic like interface the same. Again, uh, Sack just wanted to be really minimalistic and really easy to jump in. Mm-hmm. Um, but seeing the amount of like people that actually are requesting stuff like that, um, I'm I've been working actively on adding all those features. Okay. I actually have like in the community forums, I have a sticky post with the features that I want to add, and the very first one is like options menu. Um, again, there's a few reasons why we took some of the decisions we made, like uh, changing from full screen to windowed. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a slight bug with GameMaker and how it uses uh, surfaces from DirectX that makes the game start like bugging out if you switch from one to the other. You know? Okay. So that's something that we can't fix. Like it's not on our end. Uh, but again, people, if if you have that on your game. When you release it, people are gonna be like, "Hey, your game glitches out." Like they're gonna blame you, you know? Right. So, um, but I mean, I I think I have a solution for it, which is like I'm gonna let people change any of the options in the options menu, and then like even AAA games do this, which is like they show a message like, "Hey, all these changes are gonna take effect when you restart the game." Mm-hmm. You know, so just be like, "Hey, change all the things, restart the game, and then it'll load up in the settings that you requested." Okay, so. So it's just as far as Game Maker goes, switching between windowed and full screen with the game running messes up. But if you restart the game in windowed mode, it's fine. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, again, it's certainly possible. Um, it's gonna be a little bit of a nuisance to like have to restart it. But I mean, if people want it, uh, I'm all up for it. I'm, I'm, I want to support that. Also, um, a bunch of people have been requesting uh, 60 FPS instead of 30. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that like a lot of like. Uh, Game Maker games actually run in 30, like Neutral Throne, which is like a really fast-paced game, also runs in 30 FPS, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and we know how to run the game in 60, because again, it's not as straightforward as people might think. It'd be like, hey, just change the number to 60. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know, like change the jump values or the physics values by two, because um, it's not linear. You know, the functions are uh, actually quadratic. Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of more like math that you have to do. You have to look at what you like square roots over here and stuff to make the physics work the same way in both uh, frame rates. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, because because Game Maker runs on on steps, so I mean that that's like something that you're defining when you're yeah. creating the game to begin with. Yeah, it, it definitely runs in steps, and they lock the frame rate. Okay. I know that a bunch of people are always like asking for like having unlocked frame rate, but that's not how Game Maker works. Like, um, their physics are defined by the steps. Gotcha. Okay. So yeah, you have to lock it. So you either lock it at sixty or thirty, um, and we just chose thirty because um, even though it may not seem like it, like again with the art in the game. Um, the ink splattering, like if you when you start getting like into the bigger levels and have like ink all over, it actually starts slowing down because hmm. that's like a lot of like surfaces drawing on top of each other. And then um, I know that we had like a random bug <laughs> the first time uh, that like got the game slowing down because like Sack forgot to uh, you know when you like double jump and then ink splats mm-hmm. the, the he forgot to like delete them if they went out of the screen. So if you stayed in a level for too long, there were like millions of these like particles just all over like the bottom of the floor, <laughs> you know. So just like out out of the level, there's just paint piling up. Yep, basically. <laughs> um, I mean, we found it really fast, but I mean, and that was like when he released the prototype version. But still, like, um, people see it and they just say like, "Hey, it has no art. It's probably runs really fast." But they also don't understand the constraints that we're working with. Um, again, we're working with Game Maker, which is like a really good engine. I think it's probably the best to the engine, but it's definitely not as powerful as like Unreal, um, Unreal or Unity, you know? Sure. So, sure. Is Game Maker something that you guys use a lot with um, with uh, college, or how did how did you decide to use that? Oh, so actually at Digipen, uh, we have to like make our engines from scratch. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, like, even the graphics, like, everything. We, like, the first thing game that we worked on together, we made a full-on engine um, in C, not even C++. So we didn't have, like, any of, like, the advanced programming uh, features that, like, a normal language has. Mm-hmm. And then um, sophomore year, you had to make a game, C++, uh, 2D game. And then our junior year, which was my last year, I had to make a 3D game, again, without any libraries, any, like, nothing. We had to, like, just try writing in Notepad, basically. <laughs> wow! So, Holy crap! Um, okay. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Uh, again, the whole point of Digipen is like knowing how to make your own engine and then making your game on top of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I see a lot of my friends just sticking with it and be like, "Hey, like we're definitely gonna just make engines when we come out. And, like I want to make my own engine." Mm-hmm. I don't think it's the right way when you're like actually like again, uh, they do uh, student games, so it's fine. But when you're out in the industry. Knowing that you're gonna make your own engine takes like it's like an extra year of development. So you have to know you have to be able to like sustain, like you just support yourself for an extra year of development. And again, costs just keep adding up. Mm-hmm. So it's really nice that you learn how to make your own engine because again, uh, when I uh, play around with Unity or Unreal or Game Maker, even I know the functions that they probably have just because I've made them and I know how they work. You know, so you have like a bit more like insight on how it works and like how to optimize here and there. Um, but I don't think it's like a smart decision for a small studio to just like try to make your own engine uh, when there's so many out there, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason why we chose Game Maker is because uh, Sack actually before he went to Digipen, he went to Devry. Again, Devry also has like a game program, okay. and the program that they used there was Game Maker. And um, I don't know, he's just like he knows Game Maker in and out. He knows every function, everything from the engine, and he's really really fast at it. Like. If you just like follow his blog or his uh, Twitter feed, 
uh, he could be like, hey, I'm going to start a game today. And like in three hours, he has like a full-on game working. And you're like, how? <laughs> he's like a wizard at it, you know? And again, if that's the engine that he's comfortable working with, I'm fine just like learning it. I don't really mind. So. Sure, sure. Uh, how is um, how is writing code in, in Game Maker's language as opposed to, to writing it in, in C and C++ and all that kind of stuff? Does, does what you learn elsewhere translate pretty well or... Yeah, I mean, um, I think uh, Game Maker Studio, actually, first of all, uh, the, uh, the engine itself compiles into C++, so it's actually really fast. Okay. And then um, I know that a lot of people, like, bash on it just because Game Maker has this stigma or, like, people think about it uh, as, like, a newbie engine because they have, like, all these drag-and-drop features, you know? Like, you can drag, like, an if statement and then you drag something else and you can just make a game without coding, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, yeah, it works really well for that. What they don't understand is that you can also like use it just like any other engine, like Unity, for example, which is what we do. Like, we never use any of those like uh, drag and drop features. The only thing we drag and drop is uh, a code block. <laughs> so we're like, hey, in the create step, just put a code block, and then we just write code, and then we're like, hey, in the step event, let's write this code, and then here. So when you look at our engine, um, yeah, it, it's just like a bunch of code, and the code is really similar to. Um, to Java or C++. It's actually like the exact same syntax, so. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. Uh, well, um, I, I guess uh, that that does it for questions I have for Ink itself. Brian, do you have any other questions? Yeah, um, I, I, no, I think, we're, I think we're good. Did we answer the console question already? No, we didn't. I okay, so, hey, so, so right now you're on PC. Uh, any plans to expand once you guys kind of get everything nailed down? Okay, um, so actually the past couple of weeks, what I've been working on is getting on to Mac and Linux. We actually released on Mac last week, and we released on Linux today. Oh, okay. Fantastic. So, Excellent. yeah. We're there, we're there before Linux. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so we released on Linux today. Um, again, I had it ready last week. But I thought I had a bug, and then I tested it again, and it was working today. Like, yesterday it was working, so I was like, oh, I'll just set it live, I guess. So, um, our other plans are, so we're actually part of the ID at Xbox program. Okay. So we have Xbox One dev kits with us. Nice. Now, um, is, that a, is that a Digipin thing, or is that a, a no, you and Zach we, thing? No, we, apl- we applied. Uh, okay. Our company, yeah, our company has uh, ID at Xbox. Uh, we actually applied for it when we were working on Super Three, and so we have we've had it for like a year. Um, but we've also been talking to a few um, publishers about uh, just. I mean, we're actually talking to two publishers right now. Uh, one of them wants to port it to PS4, um, Wii U, and Xbox One, and possibly 3DS actually. So that would be really nice. Yeah. And the other one is pushing towards Wii U and 3DS, I believe. So again, we're just starting talks with them. Uh, I believe we're going to meet with them at PAX, and we'll like know what's going on after that. Awesome. Okay, excellent. Uh, very cool. Uh, how, how, do you, how are you finding the, uh, the ID at Xbox program? Are they, like, I know that it's, it, was, it was kind of a chore towards the end of like the 360s run as far as the uh, indie stuff there. Um, but it definitely looks like they're making some real good headroads with that program now. Yeah, again, um, they're pretty nice people. Uh, they were really uh, helpful when we were trying to like set up our account and like just like 
give them our information and stuff. Uh, then they just sent us two dev kits. Um, so Psych has one of the dev kits, I have the other one. Uh, and we played around with it, but we actually, like, again, because we requested it when we were developing for Super 3, mm-hmm. and it didn't get uh, greenlit. I'm sorry, it didn't get uh, Kickstart funded. Mm-hmm. So we didn't have like the means to actually finish the game, and yeah, we haven't tested it that much. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, but um, and also my dev kit is I'm currently in Venezuela right now. I'm on my vacation, right? So my dev kit is currently in uh, the U.S. in my house over there. Um, so I actually want to test putting ink on it as soon as I go back. Okay. No. Oh. Sweet. Very cool. So in process. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Well, Brian. Uh, yeah, no, that's all I had. Game. I think if we're ready, I think let's uh, we'll go for the end game. Let's do it. All right. Ooh. So, um, so basically, what we'd like to do is we like to end with a bit of a more personal questionnaire. Um, uh, one yeah, more aimed towards you rather than the uh, than the studio or about Ink itself. Um, so we'll just get right to it. Uh, question number one. Who is your favorite video game protagonist? Hmm. I mean, I have a favorite game. Um, and I guess I, I can use him as a protagonist. Um, I don't think he has a name. Or if he does, I haven't like researched into it. But uh, my favorite game is Shadow of the Colossus. I believe it's like an amazing game. It's so polished. It's so pretty. It's like, yeah, it's so well designed. And I love that the character is like a silent character, but he still shows a lot of emotion. Mm-hmm. And you can still tell like what his objective is, and like he just wants to rescue this girl. And I don't know, he, he just goes out, fights a bunch of like huge monsters, and starts getting corrupted. But he doesn't care because he's he's just gonna like rescue her. Mm-hmm. Again, Wait, it, isn't the character just like the Wanderer or something like that? Yeah, it's he's called Wanderer actually. Yeah, you're, you're right with that. Yeah. Oh, and the Porsicle Agro. <laughs> He's also pretty cool. Sure. Okay. That works. Okay, so second question is a, is a little bit of a flip on that. It's uh, who your who's your favorite antagonist? Um, if that doesn't work for you, um, I name your two favorite Colossus. I'll give you an option A or B. <laughs> um, Colossi. Colossus. Colossi. Okay. Yeah. No, actually. As for video game antagonist, hmm. sorry, this is like you caught me off guard here. <laughs> I do. All of these will. We Just, try. They're, um, they're they've been you know, feature tested, scientifically approved. All of them will catch you <laughs> off guard. Okay, actually, uh, one of the antagonists that I enjoyed a lot when I played the game was um, Far Cry 3's antagonist. Mm-hmm. Oh, Voss. Um. Yes, he's he's a really cool character. Like that guy was. Um, I really enjoy yeah. his personality. Yeah, yeah, I, I really like his personality and um, the all, yeah, all the scenes that you are with him are all super enjoyable. So, I would say him. I totally, I could get down with that. That guy's that guy's a real nutter. A real nutter. Uh, okay, cool. Um, question number three: um, What uh, what's a current kind of uh, trend um, in video games today that you'd like to see kind of grow? Um, what's something that's going on uh, in the field, uh, in game design, um, anything really where, where that you just like to see more of? Hmm. Um, I'd like to see more 
I don't know what to call it, but like indie AAA games, you know? Uh, I know it's kind of a hard position to be in, but it's actually what we're aiming towards in the future. Like um, games such as Journey, um, even like Ori and the Blind Forest. Um, hell, Mark of the Ninja, I, could, I would also say it's like one of those like AAA indie games, you know? Mm-hmm. So I would like to see more of like, like people just... Um, risk it a little bit more instead of like just making like smaller games um after you have some experience just try to go for like those type of experiences you know because uh it's definitely viable to make a game on a budget uh that can compete with AAA games and i think that's awesome you know like when you see again journey beating uh game of the year uh you know all the awards or uh i think shovel knight also got like so many good um yeah, they got so many awards, and they actually took them away from AAA games. So, I don't know. Just seeing that growth in the indie scene is really, like, yeah. Sure, definitely. Taking a taking a focused chance and so just going for it, it definitely seems to work. And when you mentioned kind of the rarefied air of like, you know, your shovel knights, your marks of the ninja, um, you're definitely you're definitely talking my language there. Yep. Those are excellent, excellent games. Um, question number four, another flip of the coin. Um, what is like a trend or a trope in video games today that you would like to see just go away? <laughs> um, I don't, okay, so I know that a lot of people bash on this and I understand why, but I also understand why it's done. But it's like um, basically the trend of like having studios that are like, you know that are full of talented people, but they just make the same game over and over. So I'm going to put the example of like Call of Duty. I know they have two studios, and what they do is they just rotate them to uh, release a game every year. Three now. Yep. Oh, they actually have three now? Wow. Yeah, three now. Okay. So now, now they get three years to make a game. Just... Oh, really? But that's, yeah. okay, that's it's, not too it's bad, Infinity, Infinity Ward, Treyarch, and um, Sledgehammer uh, now. Yeah, Sledgehammer. I was going to say Hammerhead, but that... Yeah. That's not too bad, though. But, I mean, okay, I understand why it's done. And, again, you keep making them and you keep selling them. So, from a marketing perspective, it's, like, really good. But I would rather see those teams have, like, three different games that they rotate, you know? Kind of like what Bethesda does, you know? Like, mm-hmm. they make a Fallout game, then they make, like, um, like a Elder Scrolls game. Sometimes they make another, like, random game like Dishonored, um, uh, you know? So... Again, they do have franchises that they exploit, you know, and they just keep coming back and back. But I believe that they give them enough time in between to um, have people expect them again. You know, like oh, absolutely. Have, I mean, it's been what? It's like again. Fallout Five years was since what? the last Fallout. Yeah, uh, and Fallout well, Four looks amazing, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I think three was two thousand eight. It looks great. So, looks great. And two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Yeah, definitely. But, it's something like that. But I mean, two, that, yeah, two thousand eight. So it's. It's been what seven Absolutely years. Absolutely enough time to, yeah. to say, you know what? I'm I I am desiring another Fallout again. Sure. Yeah, that's what. And then you think play. that after that, it's going to be at least another two years until we see another Elder Scrolls. So I mean, there's definitely they give their stuff time to breathe, and they they tend to be such epic games that yeah, totally they they need that time because yeah, if and, you try to do one of those every year, it just it it stagnates. And like, what bothers me that you know that uh, people working on Call of Duty and stuff are such talented people, you know, and they can like make so many great games so that's the thing like that's the trend that I want to stop like I would rather um, them try something new and again I still want my Call of Duty like everyone wants their Call of Duty anyway but um, 
just having new franchises pop up is also really nice sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. Question number five. Um, you've you've gone to school for making games. Um, you're making indie games now. Uh, is there anything, any kind of prof- profession uh, that you just you'd love to try, given kind of like a a no uh, no restrictions chance at it? Anything else? Oh, aside from video games. Yeah, aside from video games, outside of video games, you, you, professional skydiver. <laughs> um, so this is kind of hard because um, I've been wanting to make video games since I was nine. So um, yeah, um, I guess it's kind of hard. I would say one thing that I would all uh, that I always loved and I can't do like for for the life of me is uh, to be an artist, like just to draw. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to be a digital artist or a 3D modeler. Um, I think those are really like nice skills to have, and I, every time that like my artists like just show me their work, uh, I'm amazed at it. So, I guess being an artist or a modeler for uh, like one of those, uh, like Pixar for example, like uh, an animation studio, will be something that I would love to try as well. Cool. That would be super neat. Absolutely, I, I like that. Um, now we come to our uh, our ever changing sixth question, um, and mainly just because I can't nail down a way to say it. Uh, so, uh, if you could, and we'll try it this way: if you could play a game for the first time again, what game would you play? Hmm. Aside from the obvious Shadow of the Colossus. Because <laughs> again, um, every time that I play that game, it's like, oh my god, it's so good. Um, actually, one game that I enjoyed that I didn't play that like uh, long ago uh, was Bioshock Infinite. I think that that's one of the games that I would love to play again. Because again, it's one of those games that you can't play again without knowing the story. You know? Sure. So uh, just being uh, amazed by the plot twists all over again, I would pick that game for sure. Yeah, and I feel like playing that over again, it, it would be like watching a, a Christopher Nolan movie over again where you just start seeing where things don't fit together. <laughs> no, I, I mean, but it, it's also kind of cool because like, you see like, oh, so they say this because of that. That's kind of cool, you know? But it's not the same feeling, you know? Sure. It's like when you see it for the first time, you're like, I don't know what's going on. Indeed. Oh, Absolutely. And especially with like Bioshock, Bioshock Infinite, those the the twists where everything kind of takes on its own life, especially with the uh, the first Bioshock, uh, going back to to kind of see that again at the the point where everybody was experiencing it, that's got to be something super cool. Yeah. So, great answer. All right, uh, last question. Um, we're gonna get a little bit philosophical, uh, sort of. Okay. Uh, at the end of our lives, uh, when we come to the gates of the Mushroom Kingdom. And Toad is there to greet us with the Book of Our Deeds. What would you like him to say to you before he lets you in? Um, <laughs> it's kind of a weird question. Yep. We, okay, we I, do I, our I, best. I definitely know what he what I don't want him to say, which is the Princess Nether Castle. Yeah, good. Thank you. I I really don't want him to say that. <laughs> um, I guess. At the end of my life, what I what I want is uh, I would like Toad to like see me and 
say like, oh my god, I know that you worked on this game, this game, and that game. And I'd be like, okay, that's good, you know? Like, <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I would like, what I've always said is like, I wouldn't like being famous, like like a Hollywood star famous, but I would love to be recognized. So again, like maybe you don't know who like Shigeru Miyamoto is or what he looks like, but if you start like naming the games that he worked on, everyone that I know knows like all the games that he worked on, you know? So like absolutely. Like if I tell my mom like, oh, like you know who Shigeru Miyamoto is, she's like no. And then if you say like, hey, he worked on, you know what Mario is, like Zelda and all those like yeah. games that he worked on, and then she's like, oh, he's you know, the guy so, who did Super Mario Brothers, and everybody stops and goes, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so at some point, like, yes. So something like that. Like I don't care if people like know my name or like uh, like recognize me on the street, but I would love like if people recognize my work. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I would if like. If you could to... just roll up and they go, oh, well, what did you do? And you, you can say, oh, I worked on Ink. Oh, hey, okay. Yeah, and I actually had like one of those like fanboy-ish moments <laughs> when I went to GDC. I think mm-hmm. it was two years ago. Just because like um, I had my badge and um, I met some guys on the Chipotle line and I saw that they were from Celadors, you know, the guys that made Rogue Legacy and I absolutely loved that game. Like, I, I was just like playing it like non-stop before I went to GDC and again, I saw the guys and I'm like, oh, guys, like, this is pretty cool. Like, uh, are you guys from like Rogue Legacy? And they, yeah. And then they just like stared out of my badge, saw uh, that I was from Mech 6, which is the company that we were making Froxor in and the guy's like, oh, are you the guy from Froxor? And I just like fanboy. I was like, oh my god, someone recognized me. You know? I knew who I was. Yeah, and actually, like after that, we just like ate together and like spent a, a bunch of time together. So, yeah, that's awesome. That is fantastic. Uh, that Mutual is, that appreciation. Really awesome. mm-hmm. Yep, basically. <laughs> Excellent. Well, that's it. You've reached the end. You've answered all the questions. We thank you for that. Um, I have uh, no prizes for you, uh, but. Jonathan will be kind enough to uh, to kind of take this thing home. <laughs> well, Alejandro, thank you so much for joining us and talking about Ink. If you could send us out by letting our listeners know where they can go to find out more about the game. Okay, um, so uh, definitely. You can check out the game on the store Steam page. Just search for Ink, and it should be the very first one. It's all caps, but it doesn't matter. Um, and yeah, uh, you can just check out the game over there. It's also on the Humble Bundle store. And on HIO, so yeah, you can also find it there if it, those are your preferred platforms. And yeah, I, I would love it if people would just like either follow me or Sack on Twitter. So Sack is Sack Bell Games, mm-hmm. and mine is just Alehiti, so A L E H I T T I. Um, and again, uh, we're gonna be posting a lot about like any uh, ink updates, and we have an unannounced project that we're actually announcing in the next week or two. Uh, that our artists have been working on for a long, like for two, three months now. So it's far along art-wise, and yeah. So if people just want to check that out, um, that would be awesome. Also, um, Sack makes a bunch of like game maker posts. So if you're interested in game maker, you can also check out his website or his Twitter. And I make posts about um, just production in general or like marketing tips. So I have like a talk on how to get your game notice on my website and stuff like that. So again. If you're interested, um, just check that out. Very cool. Well, thank you once again, and uh, have a great rest of your vacation, and <laughs> uh, good good luck as you guys continue working on the game. Yeah, actually, thank you very much for inviting me. It's been yeah, it's been fun. <laughs> Absolutely, thank you so much for coming. 